0: Every creator finds their own unique way to be creative. We're here to celebrate and learn from some of the best. Welcome to Michael's Creativity Podcast. I'm Anna White, Vice President of Communications at Michael's, and today we're going to be talking to a couple whose creativity takes multiple forms. These folks master not only the art of crafting, but also the art of creating a following. I'm pleased to welcome our guests, Andrew Boza and Dennis Seteducati, better known as the Crafty Lumberjacks, to our show. Hello, Andrew and Dennis. How are you guys doing today?
1: Hello, we're great. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you so much.
0: I'm so excited. You all are technically our first guests of Michael's Craftivity Podcast. This is our taping number one, and we are so thrilled. It's really special to me because we got to meet last year when I first, I've been on the Michael's team for actually about a year then, but it was our first real holiday that I had been part of, and you all did a really cool craft with several of us. We had some of our executives, we had makers join, different influencers, and some press, and you all were the lead, and you made these beautiful little pine cone gnomes with felt hats and we all had the best time using the glue gun it was one of my first times really getting into the glue gun so that was really cool but it was nice to meet you all then and then to have you back here now as our first guest
1: yes we're so excited
2: and so honored thank you we had so much fun that day that was so fun and i'm glad you got to experience a glue gun hopefully you haven't burned your fingers too much since but it's always worth it if you do
0: It's more I now have to keep it away from the kids because it's like gun and hot glue and electricity. It's all like the things they want to put their hands on. How long have y'all been known as the Crafty Lumberjacks?
2: Well, I think it's been almost seven years now.
0: Really? Wow. I definitely want to get into that and the creation of this brand and company that you all now run full-time. One of the things we really hope to do with this podcast is help inspire people who are creatives, who are making and crafting and designing beautiful artistic projects as a passion or a bit of a side hustle or a hobby at this point. But how do you actually take that leap to make it your full-time job? I mean, people all the time are like, oh, I wish I just could do this full-time. I wish I could do the thing I love full-time. And you all really are doing that. But of course, that didn't just happen overnight. So I'd love to start a little bit further back. Dennis, we'll start with you. If you could just tell us where you're from and how, as a child, do you think art and crafting creativity really influenced you?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I'm originally from Long Island, New York. I grew up with my mom and dad and my older brother. And my father was a carpenter and my mom was a quilter and a crafter. Being a gay young human, I didn't gravitate towards sports. And then I found my love of theater. My mom took me to see a local production of A Christmas Carol. And there were kids in the show. And I remember watching the show. I was in fifth grade. And the whole time I was watching the show, I was pulling on my mom's sleeve and saying, I can do that, mom. I can do that. That summer, she signed me up in acting classes. And I've been a part of theater since. And also, like I said, my mom was a crafter and she actually made crafts that she sold at craft markets on the weekends. And I was her little craft assistant. And actually over time, I ended up making my own crafts to sell. Little did I know that that was the start of this whole journey leading to where we are now.
0: So does Long Island have a big crafting community? Are there a lot of fairs and crafts markets on the weekends?
1: Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I don't know how much there are now, but back in the day, in the 90s, there was something every weekend, especially for the holidays, you know, she was a hustler just like me, and she would do these markets every weekend, three days, a late Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and then during the week, she would just be crafting and making her goodies that she could sell at the fairs. Different churches hosted them, different historical societies, things like that.
0: And was it mostly quilts or what other crafts? The quilt she
1: did not sell, that was her own little personal thing where she would do for herself and also just for members of her family. A lot of my cousins and relatives would get a quilt at their birthdays or if they reached a certain milestone. But the crafts she made were all like eucalyptus spreads were huge back then. She would do wreaths, different renews it dolls she used to make and all kinds of little choshkis and goodies, you know, handmade goods that you would find in your home, in your living room, kitchen.
0: Oh, that's so cool. So I grew up in eastern Kentucky in a really small town, and my mom had a shop called The Cozy Corner. Oh and she gosh. didn't make crafts, but she sold them for about 48 years. And wow. quilts were her first thing. Some books about around kind of Appalachia, Appalachian art, mostly folk art, history of the region. But then she sold quilts and crafts. I mean, she just closed it last summer, actually. She's almost 80. But I, too, would go with her to craft markets. Yours was probably even cooler because your mom was actually, my mom would go look to buy but never, we never actually got to man a stall. though that would be really fun. <laughs> it was fun. How about you, Andrew? So tell me about you. You grew up in Maryland.
2: I did. I grew up right outside of DC. And Dennis and I have almost very similar childhoods, almost like very parallel. My mom was an avid cross-stitcher and knitter, and she still is. And my dad wasn't a carpenter by trade, but he would do a lot of renovations like throughout the house. So I was always inspired by them and seeing them craft on their free time and when they could. And like Dennis, I wasn't great at sports and I did gravitate towards theater as well. And I just have so many memories as a child, just coming home from school and just immersing myself in with construction paper and glue and just almost feeling like it was like a moment for myself, almost like therapeutic to just get creative and not have to be surrounded by other people and just really focus on something I was creating myself. And I always think of those times. And I'm like, that's where like the spark came from for me. It's those moments watching my parents and then taking that and creating for myself.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful to hear. Yeah, I think that whole idea of unstructured play for kids, just giving kids materials and letting, like seeing what you would do. And it sounds like for you, it was a bit of an escape too, perhaps, like into your own little world.
2: Definitely. I do agree. I think that's so important for children. I actually went to school for elementary education and it's so true. It's really important to allow kids just to get creative on their own terms. We try to like take our niece and nephew to go to Michael's. We'll be like, get whatever you want. When they come over, we will go ahead of times. They will go through all our drawers and we're like, please don't do it. But at the same time, we're like, okay, just go through everything. Do whatever you (laughs) want. Take whatever you want. And they will create stuff that we would never even think of.
0: It seems like from your social channels, you all are still having a lot of fun and it does feel like a bit of a break. I mean, do you still feel that respite when you're crafting, when you're into it? Yeah,
1: sometimes. I think now a lot of what we do is kind of, you know, crafting only makes a quarter of the work that we're doing. So unfortunately, it's more about editing, hosting, responding, commenting, writing, all of that. But we still really enjoy. And there are still projects that we just make for ourselves that we don't share, which are really special to us.
0: Oh, wow. Now I want to see all those. <laughs> Never, ever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was going to say that we definitely have times of the year where we have so much inspiration, like Halloween and Christmas. It feels so exciting to craft just because we have all that nostalgia from when we were kids. And it always is just a time where creativity just flows a little bit differently from other times of the year.
0: Through your childhood, as you kind of went into school, did you know you wanted to lead a career in the arts?
2: I always wanted to do something with the arts. When I went to school for elementary education, I would always think of like, How am I going to decorate my classroom? Like the things that really don't matter, but it would always excite me. I would really always want to pull something artistic because that's what I gravitated towards. And I always would want to kind of lead children to be free thinkers as well. But when I was in college and... I was also pursuing theater on the side, just like Dennis, and I was doing productions as much as I could. And when you do theater, it's really a space for you to be as creative as possible. There's so many facets of theater where you can be doing carpentry, you can be doing set decorating, and sometimes you have to do all of it. So it really does allow you to be doing all sides of art, which is really great.
0: Were your first jobs, is it safe to say, in theater? in theater production or were you all acting ever or what what were your roles exactly
1: I always did a little bit of everything. I went to school for theater, for acting specifically, not musical theater. But then I found out that there was a lot more work available for musical theater actors. So I jumped on that train. But I was always involved in the arts. And because I had my Bachelor in Fine Arts in theater, we had to do everything. So we had to make the costumes. We had to build the sets. We had to paint the sets. We had to make the props. We had to put up the lights. A lot of my early jobs were front of house positions. So I was either a box office representative, sales associate or I was answering phones, selling tickets or I was a house manager or I worked backstage. I was a spot up operator. You know, I did a little bit of everything wherever I can earn a little bit of cash. I was all in.
0: It's interesting because. Everything you just think, there's a business side of the theater, there's the creative, like the backdrop, the structure, how does the set look, the costumes, the actors, dancers, you know, musical theater, the singing piece. So it's interesting because now I feel like your brand as Crafty Lumberjack still incorporates a lot of those things. You have the business side, you have the brand, you know, how you're positioning yourselves, you have your great voices and your acting, which you pop into a lot lot of your TikToks, et cetera. It seems like it was a pretty good training ground for what you all ended up doing next.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, both of the theater and the crafting world that we're living in now, they have very parallel existence. They mimic each other in a sense. I feel like because we have so much history with our theater background, it's really helped us navigate crafty lumberjacks. I also
2: think when you think of social media today, it is very theatrical. Every time you post something on a platform, you tell a story, you think about lighting, you think about what you want to say, how you want everything to look.
0: How your audience is going to receive the thing that you're giving them.
1: Yeah, you're producing your own content.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. I think you both toured, right? And believe you met on Fiddler on the Roof.
1: That's right. Yeah, we met on Fiddler on the Roof. We auditioned with thousands and thousands of people here in New York. And we both got the job. And we met the first day of rehearsal. And I was immediately attracted to Andrew because I liked his shoes. And I was like, this kid's good. He's very talented. I like this guy. And we became fast friends in the rehearsal process. And then we traveled all around the country and all over Canada. And while we were um, traveling together, we found that we had this mutual love and passion of crafting and creating. So we We would actually host parties in our hotel rooms for other cast members and crew members. We would have cocktails. We would decorate a little. I think we did like a pumpkin carving thing once. We'd always make little goodie bags for different holidays, for Valentine's Day, things like that. We would decorate our bus seats on our bus. Actually, the cast members were the ones, and this is like 10 years ago, I think, or maybe 11 at this point. And they were actually the ones that encouraged us. They said, you guys should do a blog or something, document All of these projects and these things that you're doing for everybody here. How awesome. So actually, they pushed us to develop our brand in a sense where now we find that we're reaching other people and where the people that we were creating for just our friends and family, they don't even keep up with the work that we're doing. (laughs) It's (laughs) it's a bigger reach, you know.
0: (laughs) Well, that's a good thing. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Something's working very well. So how did the name come about? Because I'm looking at you both now, and whenever I've seen you, you're always in your flannels. Tell me about Crafty Lumberjacks. How was that chosen?
2: Well, we were in Vancouver on tour, and we always wore flannel before we even had the brand. And this pretty drunk man started cat calling us from across the street. And we would have to walk to the theater about five times in a weekend. And he was always on this one corner. He'd be like, Lumberjacks, Lumberjacks. And when we were thinking of a blog name, we were trying to think of anything we were like crafty duo crafty couple and dennis was like oh my gosh should we be the crafty lumberjacks and it kind of just sparked a memory (laughs) of joy and we both laughed out loud and i don't think we thought it would carry on this long like the name would really be a part of us for so long
0: Okay, so you have the name. You're still on tour, it sounds like. And then did you start a blog? Because clearly today you all are so savvy. I mean, I just really respect and admire the work that you do on each platform. And here I'm talking about, namely TikTok and Instagram, but I know you also have your website, you have YouTube, you show up on other people's YouTube channels. Was it just the blog that was the first thing? Or what were you doing? A couple of YouTube videos to begin? And how did you kind of ramp the content?
1: Yeah, we first started with a blog. And we didn't even know about SEO and kind of anything. It was always these funny puns that we would do and very skimmable, easy, do this, do that with a handful of pictures. And then we started posting those pictures on Instagram. And we started to see that there was like a little following. People would reach out, oh, I love this. I'm going to make this. People started to share our little projects. And then it would just kind of grow and grow and grow. And actually, the first thing that we got picked up from was HGTV. They actually made Noticed our content on Instagram, and we had a producer or someone working there that said, Hey, wait, we have an issue TV YouTube channel called Handmade that we think you two would be a great fit for. Are you down? I was doing other tours. I was directing. I was choreographing. Andrew was actually a chef in the city teaching kids how to cook because <laughs> wow. we did all of the odd jobs. You know, that's what we did as freelance artists. We even did a um, a flash mob together for uh, Marlena's Bar Mitzvah. Oh, my gosh.
0: What <laughs> was well, the song?
1: Oh, there were many mashups. We'll have to <laughs> sing it another time because it would take okay, forever. <laughs> yeah, and then it just kind of we were, you know, lucky enough that it just kind of catapulted everything else, you know. And actually, we kind of do a lot of live television segments here in New York for different shows. And that actually came about from a Twitter conversation with Clinton Kelly from What Not to Wear, and he was also on The Chew. Because we, you know, we live in Manhattan here in New York, so we go into see a lot of these live tapings. And we happened to be at a performance of The Chew, where we tweeted Clinton Kelly saying, hope you have a craft Corner.
2: And then Clinton Kelly came up to us in the audience and was like, hey, did you just tweet me? And about a month later, we got an email from a producer at the tube being like, hey, you know, we were looking for guest crafters and Clinton Kelly brought up your name. And it kind of spiraled into that. And I have to say, Dennis is so great at being fearless and reaching out to people. It really is why we're kind of here today where we are. And I think that's a really great tip for people who are looking to grow or who want to do more things. Reach out to people. Don't be afraid to do that. Don't
1: be shy about that. Yes. You want to get yourself on someone's radar, essentially. And I always, we go by the two quotes, fortune favors the bold and also nothing to lose, everything to gain. And that's something that stayed with us for the last five years where we're just like, Let's reach out, let's see what happens. You never know, no loss, no sweat off of my back. You never know.
0: It's so true, and the worst they can say is no, or maybe you don't hear back, but it seems like if you cast enough nets, you're gonna pull something in sooner or later.
1: And that's something actually that our theater background taught us too. You hear a lot of rejection, a lot of rejection. You might book one job out of the 300 auditions. Just knowing that and having it be a part of us really helps us just say, on to the next, on to the next. That's just how it works.
0: That fearlessness, that's such such good advice. And I feel like that stands in the way of so many people just trying. If you're already making stuff that you love to make, but you're like, oh, where should I sell it? How should I sell it? Should I do a market or should I put it on Instagram? And it, sometimes it's overwhelming a bit, but then once you're started, it does sound like, from your experience, it's a bit of a snowball effect. As we say in communications or PR, press begets press. You're on Rachel Ray once and then you get something out. It just kind of continues. You all are a wonderful example of that coming to life.
1: Absolutely. And I think we make it easy for people. We, we are very specific about what we can do, what we can present. We get the job done and we're very kind and easy to work with. We go along with the flow. And I think that kind of helps too.
0: And how do you come up with new project ideas? How do you keep the ideas fresh? Like where do you look to for inspiration?
2: Oh my gosh. We pull inspiration from everything. We live in New York, so we're always pulling from the city. We're also always looking at other creators and seeing what they're doing and seeing how we can kind of not copy them, but maybe take inspiration from something they took inspiration from. I will say that I do think it's getting harder to be creative in a sense, especially with social media these days. Five years ago, you could post once a week and that would be enough. Now content really needs to be almost daily, which is tiring. Sometimes we have this fatigue of just trying to be creative. And I was thinking about this last night. It's like we're always constantly scrolling through our phones. We're always seeing images of things that other people are making. And it's hard to allow yourself to have a moment to really think about what you want to make. So I think something that we try to do is sometimes just shut off for a little bit, really just try to take a breath and not force ourselves to think of projects. Because it's very hard to be like, okay, we need five projects for Halloween. How are we going to do it? Instead, it's better to be like, okay, I'm going to turn my brain off and hopefully something will come up. And most of the time something does come up, but it is tricky. I think it's just getting harder and harder, to be honest.
0: I spent time working at both YouTube, then also at Facebook and Instagram. I totally hear that reality. In terms of the time and effort you have to put into maintaining your handles on each of these platforms and doing it in a way that really is authentic to you and also still interesting and creative, that is really tough. You all seem to do a really nice job at maintaining that. How are you thinking about the platform? So when you do get your creative ideas after you've taken a bit of your meditative break and come up with them, how do you think about what's going on TikTok versus what's going on Instagram these days?
1: You know, I I don't think we put a lot of pressure on it. I think we just want to roll out content as much as we can. So we pull from old videos, we pull from new videos. We tend to post a lot of the same videos on each platform because we feel like there are a different audience. We have one core audience on Instagram, and then we have a completely different audience on TikTok, but our TikTok audience isn't necessarily on our Instagram. So we will just share kind of on the same things. TikTok though, we will focus on, you know, we want it to be a little more silly, a little more fun. A shorter video. So we will factor that. But for us, it's just get something up, get something up, not put a lot of pressure on it. Also, feeling confident enough in ourselves that no matter what we do, no matter what project we make, it will be okay. It's good. And then we just have to keep going. I also think we've learned over time that it's
2: more important to make something that we want to make instead of making something that we think other people will want to see. And it's very hard. To continually make content and maybe like they were last year, or they're suddenly not what they were last week. And it's really hard not to factor that in, but I do think it's important for creators really to just be genuine with their content and create something that you want to make. I can look at our videos, I'll even forget that we made these things, but I will have a reaction inside me that I will be like, oh, I remember making that. That was a good day. That was really fun to make. It might not have done well, but I really love it. And then I'll see other videos. I'll be like, oh yeah, we forced this video. Here it is. It did great or it did whatever. But I think creating for yourself is probably the most important. And you really can't look at the numbers, especially these days. The platforms are changing so frequently. It's so hard to navigate. It's really hard
1: to say like, oh, this is what's trending now because next week it's different. Anytime we have a video that we think it's going to do really well, it never does. Oh we're like, gosh. oh, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. We'll spend a couple of days on it and then we post it and it's crickets.
2: It's always those videos that we throw together very last minute that randomly do great. And then those videos that we cherish, we're like, oh, I've been wanting to do this craft for months. I'm so glad we're putting it out and it will tank. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's a like, great.
0: That's such an interesting lesson in like not trying too hard. There is a lot of talk around authenticity and social media and are people authentic? And is it your authentic self that you're projecting or sharing? This is great advice personally and as someone who's looking to start, you know, launch their own business just to really keep it real, keep it true to you. And then you do see the results. And also, more importantly, you feel good about the content you're creating. And when you go back, you get that, positive emotion from watching it. I had several of those positive emotions because I was a couple minutes late to even join you all because I was lost in your TikTok. And I was (laughs) looking at so many of the great videos. Many of them do have significant reach, I will say, I thought was so funny is some of the ones that you said sillier for TikTok, but just like also like a little bit cheekier, a little, the humor is like a little bit darker in some ways, still really funny. So the caramel apples with razor blades, and then also the rotten smashed pumpkin. And like in my mind, so much of Instagram is really beautifully curated and created Still, and obviously reels, are trying to be a bit more real and less <laughs> pressure on it being perfect. At Michael's, our audience on Instagram, they really do want to see very well-made, beautiful things um, that, that they could ideally replicate. Whereas on TikTok, it's really fun. There's the trending sounds. It's a lot more spontaneous to your point than when you do like a last minute thing, like the smash pumpkin work. They really just like candy apple, like the things that are just a little bit quirkier seem to resonate well with your audience. Those
2: two videos that you mentioned, those were ones we really did make for us. Like we weren't thinking about anybody else. And we were like, what What really reminds us of our childhood? And they're some of our favorites.
0: Yeah. Do you all have a favorite holiday? What would be your favorite holiday to craft for?
1: Oh, gosh, that's a toss up between Halloween and Christmas. Obviously, two of the biggest ones. I feel like Halloween, you get away with more, which we kind of like. You can push boundaries and you can even make the ugliest thing And it will work for Halloween. You know, where Christmas is very, you know, clean, pristine, perfect. You know, so I I feel like we kind of love both of those aspects of each holiday. We embrace the challenge. I can't choose. I really love them both. There's something about Halloween
2: where I know Christmas is coming, which always makes me so excited. Where, I have to be honest, sometimes when Christmas is here, I'm getting already the January blues in my mind. I'm like, oh gosh, there's only 15 days left.
0: We feel very much the same at Michael's. It's almost a shame that some of these great moments are all packed into the last quarter of the year. I do love Valentine's Day, though. Yes. Mom even would always do like heart-shaped pancake. And I try to do the same for our kids. Oh. Decorate the dining table for Valentine's Day, and then my son's born on St. Patty's Day. We aren't yes. Irish, but we still celebrate. We go big for St. Patty's. <laughs> lots of decorations. Easter, like I do love to kind of find those opportunities to create memories and moments and rituals, and it sounds like you all both had probably quite a few of those in your family. You're creating it now in your apartment there in Queens.
2: Yes. I love that about the holidays too. I feel like a lot of people who say they aren't crafters will get crafty during this season, which I always think is really special.
0: Yeah, that would definitely be me. This has come up a bit, Andrew, in some of what you were saying just around content creation and how it can be overwhelming. But how do you all keep balance? I can imagine it could be tough to keep the balance in your personal partnership and then also the work partnership.
1: That's tough. I think that is the thing. I don't know if there will ever be a balance, but I think we're always striving towards a balance, which I think is important. And it really depends on what you consider work and life, because now I feel like everything is blended together because we enjoy social media. We like being on and engaging, but that is work. So we are on our phones constantly, whether it be responding to DMs, posting on our stories, getting a new video ready. And that kind of trickles into the night, that kind of trickles into our relaxation and our, our time. But it's something we enjoy.
2: Balance is tricky.
1: I do think it's one of those things that we've been talking about balance for so
2: long. And it's something, like Dennis said, it's like we haven't really achieved it yet. And I don't really know with social media these days if it's achievable in some sense, even if you're not a content creator, even if you're just on social media. I feel like we all find ourselves scrolling on a phone randomly and not even really thinking about what we're looking at. And all of a sudden it's like, have I been on my phone for a half hour? But I think just having the conversation of balance will allow it to at least creep in every once in a while.
0: Well, I think the great thing with crafting, too, and using your hands to create things is it's such a nice antidote to so much of the time we spend on technology. And this goes back, Andrew, to what you were saying about even as a child, thinking about it as an escape when you're sitting in the midst of all that construction paper. That was just such a beautiful image, and we encourage that. We encourage our kids to do that, but then it's like even for us as adults, whether you are— On your path to launching a crafty lumberjacks equivalent brand, or you just know that you feel good after you paint or while you're painting. Maybe it's even more during, like after it's like, maybe it was good, maybe it wasn't. But just the during is so important. We've even done some surveys around mindfulness and contentment and happiness and making. There's a really strong correlation. It's up there with faith and exercise and other things that people hold very dear. It's just the idea of using your hands to make something and maybe even make something for someone else, which is like a double whammy because you feel good and then you give it to someone and they feel good and it's really nice.
1: Yes, I love that. And that is something that, you know, we teach uh, classes through Michael's. We're continuing that through next year. And that's something that we try to remind people a lot. It's not so much about the end product. It's about the journey and the process. And that's really important to us because it's not just about making something. It's about the memories you're creating while you're making. So we have a lot of memories of us crafting together, but also with our families now with our niece and nephew. And it's so much more about that than the end product. I was going to say, I do think it's a little tricky when you're a content creator, if you're
2: doing like DIY content, because It's very hard to focus on a craft and also focus on like the filming of it and making sure it's captured well. And sometimes, very rarely, we will craft and we'll be like, I'm just going to do this craft. I'm not going to document it. And it always comes out so great. And in the end, we're like, I should have documented that. Why did not I do that? But then at the same time, it's like, but maybe it just came out better because I was fully focused on that and not thinking about ten hundred other things.
0: Right, yeah. That's where you could get a hidden camera that's just kind of <laughs> there if you need it.
1: Yes, yes. I love that. It's just <laughs> constantly rolling, yes. And
0: make it a reality show, then you all really blow up. <laughs>
1: yes, all right, I like the way you think.
0: So, okay, if there were one tool that you could not live without in terms of crafting.
2: I'm a purist, I love construction paper. I love a pair of scissors. That would be my tool, a nice sharp pair of scissors.
0: Like a big one or like the, not the kids, the really sturdy, like makes the sound when you're cutting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a Fiskars orange handled pair of scissors is great. We have so many pairs of scissors. I love them all. I like to use the little ones for little
1: things and just a classic pair of scissors is great for me. Yeah, and for me, I would say, I don't know if this is part of the crafting genre, but I think a drill. We use our drill a lot for different projects, whether it be a craft project or just around the home.
0: So is that when you were drilling out the smashed rotten pumpkin, the styrofoam? Did you use a drill to carve out the styrofoam?
1: We did, yes. We used a drill. I think we also used a wood-burning tool, A heat gun at one point. I did
0: see that later. Yeah. But I did like to in that video, you said save the debris from the inside of the star from pumpkin because it can be snow at Christmas.
1: And we try to do that a lot. Now there's a big call to action for, you know, the environment and reusing, reducing, recycling. So we try to do that in a lot of our projects where a lot of our projects are either made from stuff we already have around the house or we try to prolong them, give them more life. So kind of like you said, the pumpkin. So it's not just a pumpkin. Now you have snow. Yes, and if there are
2: materials that we aren't able to reuse, we'll usually donate them to senior centers or local elementary schools. It's all about just making sure that the product doesn't go to waste.
0: That's great. Is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? Do you have any cool things coming up that you'd love to share with me and our listeners?
1: We're going to do another segment with Kelly and Ryan, and we're also kind of looking for more life things. So there might be a move in our future, maybe a house in our future, which is really exciting. That's
0: very exciting. Is that like a 2023 plan?
1: Hopefully, hopefully,
2: yeah. I mean, that would be great. It's one of those things we always talk about, but we just need to take action on.
0: Well, and then, Andrew, you'll get that craft room that I know is one of the things that you've always wanted.
2: Oh, my gosh, 100%. Just so we could leave a mess and not have to clean it up because in a one-bedroom apartment, we're always stepping all over each other, our cat's on everything, so that would be
1: wonderful. <laughs> oh, we do have to
0: give the cat a shout-out. Little, is it Teddy?
1: Yes, Teddy Krueger.
0: Oh, Teddy Krueger. Oh, cute, I like that. <laughs>
1: We
2: lucked out. He is so uninterested in our craft supplies. The only thing he wants to do is lay on it, on anything we put out. But we are so lucky. He is just like the best little assistant, we call him. Oh,
0: that's sweet. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. This was really fun to get to talk to you, both get to know you better and also hear more about your awesome work.
1: Uh, thank you for having us. Michaels has been in our lives for a very long time, so it's come full circle, you know, that now we're kind of a part of the Michaels community.
2: We love our local Michaels so much. We know people by name. Every
1: time we walk in, it's always like, hey! You know. Yes. And we're actually friends with a lot of the staff on Instagram. So if we spot something that we're like, yo, you got to hold this for us. We're coming in. <laughs> we're coming in, please. And they do, which is so sweet.
0: Oh, the team will love hearing that. Thank you all so much.
1: Thank you. You too. Thank you so much. You too.
0: I want to say a huge thank you to Dennis and Andrew for joining me on the show today. You can find them both online by searching for The Crafty Lumberjacks on Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube. And thank you, of course, to our listener for joining us here on the Michael's Craftivity Podcast. Please make sure to follow us for more creative conversations. And if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review or a comment or even share this episode with another creative person in your life. We'll see you next time on the Michael's Craftivity Podcast.